love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. What the world needs now is love. More love. Stars literally aligned. He's always been the one. There's someone out there for everyone. I'm Nancy Regan, your host on the Canadian Love Map. We are on a journey to uncover and share love stories of all kinds. He's never forgotten to bring me flowers. We're hoping we're going to give a little good news to this world. Even in these dark times, the life continues to go on. It's all about compassion, devotion, adventure, and of course, love. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs love. This is the Canadian Love Map. Well, love is the most important thing. Somebody came up to me last Monday. She said, as I've been getting older, I've noticed my voice changing. And I actually thought that maybe I wouldn't be able to sing in your choir anymore a year ago. And I remember when she took a season off a year ago because her voice was changing. And she said, I can't believe it, but I'm still singing and I love singing so much. And it's because of you and your choir. This week's love story belongs to the aptly named Coco Love Alcorn, a Canadian singer-songwriter whose music has found its way into hearts around the world. She had been writing and performing for decades when her song The River suddenly floated her music to a global audience when choirs everywhere started singing it. That birthed the idea for the Wonderland Singers, a virtual community created by Coco that might just be the best thing to come out of the pandemic. This is the Canadian Love Map. Hi, Coco. Hi, Nancy. You are officially the first guest on the Canadian Love Map podcast to have love in their legit name. So I think we've got to start there. Oh, sweet. When you started the sentence, I was like, I'm not the first guest on this. You have lots of episodes. You're starting this episode with lying. Nobody else has been called love. Nobody else is so full of love that it's actually bubbling out of their name. So tell me about that name and how it came about. Okay. I'm I'm all about that. Um, My great-grandmother, her name was Love Parker. And as the story goes that uh, my dad, when he was six, he was on a walk with her and he promised that he would name his kid after her or some sort of six-year-old version of that. And uh, and then he had me and it became my middle name. And uh, from what I understand, it's a bit of a family name. There's been some other loves like further back up the tree. And my daughter also has the same middle name. Oh, does she? Oh, Ellie Love. Yeah. That's beautiful. And how did it impact your life having love in your name, do you think? Uh, I mean, uh, I can't compare it to having lived a life without having loved in my name, love in my name. Fair enough. And I'm a singer and a songwriter and a performer for a living. So 
people often think that it's a, a stage name. And I say, no, no, it's real. <laughs> it's my real name. I, I feel connected to my name. And um, my, my full name is Coco Love Alcorn. And the times when there's been a form where there's a space for first and a space for last, but there's no space for middle, it kind of throws me off. Because I don't know who Coco Alcorn is. I only know who Coco Love Alcorn is. But if I put Coco and Love in the first name field, it's not like I expect people to walk around saying, hi, Coco Love. I mean, they can, but my name is, my first name's Coco. It really is just exactly my middle name. And if I stick Love in the last name field, then it's very confusing when I'm checking in at the hotels. You know, I'm looking, I'm just like, look under A and they find me under L. So anyway, I... Went off on a tangent, but it truly sits at the center of my name and I guess at the center of me. So there you go. <laughs> I I have experienced what it's like to be at one of your sing-alongs. And I think uh, I have, since the Canadian Love Map started, I have been planning. I've had you in the back of my head wanting to have you on. And in fact, as you know, I even I even mentioned you in my book because of the way that you create community virtually and also in person. Mm. And I want to talk about that, but I first want to go back to talk about your own journey with music and how you got here from there, from that childhood when you were named Love. Mm. When did music start for you? How did it grow? So I don't exactly remember. And I've been told, like, as far as the very start, I've been told that I was singing along with things from a very young age. So I guess it was just bake, baked in and just always sort of there. Um, my father's mother, so my paternal grandmother, she was an opera singer and she taught, she taught voice at... St. FX University in the town I was born in. So there was always music around. But I think I almost, like, I didn't put a lot of thought or weight into it when I was younger. It was just there. It was like, not exactly like I took it for granted, but maybe a little like that. Like the way in a good, a really beautiful family home picture, the way a kid doesn't have to think, does my do my mom and dad love me? It's just there. They just, mm. they feel that. I think maybe that's the way music always was for me as I was growing up. It was just a thing that was part of my life and part of me. And it's interesting because I, I feel like that might be sort of happening with my daughter. Like I did a concert just a few nights ago and it was uh, I was singing, I was performing, but I also had my new local <laughs> <laughs> local Wondersan, Wonderland Singers Choir uh, performing with me on some songs and they were amazing. And then my daughter came up and sang a couple of songs and she wow. she did so well. She's 13. She was singing harmony parts. She sang some solo verses. The audience loved her. She carried herself with poise. And I never want to push her or anything like that. I want her to, you know, be able to find her own way. But you know, I could tell she was loving it in the moment. And then yeah. I kind of the next day, I just thought like, oh, did you enjoy that? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh. like, it's just like, it seems normal to her. You know, she's not like, oh, I guess I'm going to be a singer or whatever. She's just like, oh, yeah, it's a thing you do. Like, 
Yeah, it's so a part I mean, of the fabric of who she is, probably yeah. with her background. Yeah, and yeah. how fun and exciting for you to bring her into the fold in that way without any pressure, but to contemplate, imagine that kind of a family business. Yeah. And whether it's business or, or, or just, you know, not business, like, yeah. um, yeah, I remember, um, when I recorded an album at age, I think I was maybe 20 when I recorded, uh, my second album, it was just self-titled and, um, there was a fellow named Andy Cregan who played some percussion on the record. And he is the brother of Jim Cregan, who plays bass with the Bare Naked Ladies. Right. And Andy was one of the original members of Bare Naked Ladies, but he had already quit. And I asked him at age 20, I said, like, what? Why did you quit the Bare Naked Ladies? Like, that's a sweet gig, you know? And he said that he had realized that he wanted music to not carry the pressure and the weight of, mm -hmm. you know, how he made a living. Having to pay the bills. Having to pay the bills and having yeah. like expectations around it of, you know, trying to figure out his definition of success and other people's definition. I mean, I'm probably putting words in his mouth, but he said he wanted music to be the thing that when he got home at the end of the day, he and his family could share it. They could dance, they could sing and play and dance around in the living room. And music could be that place to come and find that solace and that rest and that lift together after the hard work of the day. And I just loved that image and that thought. And I think I don't always uh, succeed at this, but I think I've tried to somehow like <laughs> cheat the system and and have a career in music and make my living from music, but uh, somehow have a bit of that mentality and not put, you know, a, a large expectation on music of like, I must reach this success level or I must, you know, achieve mm -hmm. this or anything. But that way you keep it connected to your joy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying and it's always uh, every day, every week, every month, every year is, is different. I'm the last uh, three and a half years, I've made a real shift of pulling back from touring um, and focusing on my solo artist pursuits. And I've uh, put a lot more of myself into uh, leading Zoom choir sessions. And I sing with singers from all over the world. And it's amazing. And now, as I mentioned, I've started up my, my a local choir. And it's a very interesting thing to feel that identity shift. You know, people run into me and they say, oh, you know, when's your next big show? Where are you traveling to next, Coco? And I, you know, I almost feel like embarrassed to say, I'm just leading people in song and feeling really enriched by them having light bulb moments and us singing together. <laughs> I love that, Coco. But I do have something to say about the last three and a half years because yeah. it occurs to me uh, you've got a lot of magic swirling around you. And, and there's part of me that has been suspicious at times that you caused the pandemic because we had, <laughs> we did a, a podcast Oops. interview for a different podcast back in the summer of or the fall of 2019. Mm. And, and you said to me at the time in a really oh. compelling way, it really made an impact on me. You said, you know, I, I love what I do. I love the traveling, mm. 
But as my daughter is getting older, I'm really seeing her become this amazing human being and I want to be there. And I, mm. I wish there was some way I could stay home. And I thought, I've thought about this and laughed about this so many times. Well, laughed and sometimes yeah. not laughed. Yeah. Um, but I wish I could stay home and do music from home without having to do the traveling component anymore. Mm -hmm. And you were saying that in a wistful way. Mm -hmm. And I thought about that so many times through the pandemic, once we were all staying at home and yeah. locked down and, you know, different people were handling it in so many different ways. And of course there was much stress attached to it for a lot, but there were so a lot of people, I think, who found this opportunity to be still that they hadn't given themselves in a long, long time. Yeah. And that was an antidote to some of the anxiety and stress. And then they went a step further and found community and connection in projects like yours. So mm -hmm. if you would tell me how that came about, and, I, and I'm really not blaming you for the pandemic, but I am <laughs> really... Uh, admiring of what you did in terms of making a silk purse out of a sow's ear. Uh, okay, the, a silk purse out of a sow's ear. That's another another way of putting it. I definitely heard a lot of people say, including me, that they were finding silver linings. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's it's interesting that we had that conversation in 2019, and you remember it because there was definitely like a couple of years where I had this building feeling of wanting to be home more and feeling this tug of war within myself of my identity of um, it felt valuable or I don't know if that's the right word, but it felt good to be going places and and I would uh, travel and be collaborating with choirs and leading singing workshops and doing concerts and connecting with people in different places. There's something really rewarding about that because you get that feeling that people are people everywhere, you know, mm -hmm. and, it, and it makes the world feel closer and smaller and makes and, and helps that that feeling of connection. And I would go visit these places and feel all these I would get welcomed in to these strong uh, feelings of of community, and they would they would embrace me as a member of their community for the evening at a concert or at a singing workshop. But I had this growing feeling of um, wanting to feel more grounded and rooted at home, and wanting to be here for my daughter more and more connected with my own community. Like, hey, could I build some of the, more of this feeling at home? Right. So. I had just started um, a local choir and then um, the thing happened and we were halfway <laughs> through our season. And so I moved our sessions uh, online to Zoom and, you know, I was thinking about exactly what I had been speaking with you about in 2019 for a couple of years, I had wished, like, I keep traveling and meeting singers in all these different cities. I wish there was a way we could all sing together. And I had heard of Zoom. I think I'd used it like once or something. But whenever I thought of that, I thought, but no one would do that with me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then I realized, oh, this is, this is the moment. And I opened up my choir 
to singers from anywhere. And I have some singers in Europe and in Australia and New Zealand, all across Canada, into the States. And it's been amazing. We're in our 10th season now of Zoom Choir. It's called Wonderland Singers. Come sing with us. You're all invited. I let it be very different than in-person singing. Mm-hmm. Explain uh, that. Yeah, I think perhaps because I did not have um, many years experience as an in-person choir director, I I didn't try to recreate in-person choir on Zoom Mm because I didn't even know what that was yet. So in Zoom choir, everyone but me is muted. And I approach it like we we can see each other. People can have cameras on or off. They can do whatever they like. We can see each other uh, and people can type in the chat. So we are having an experience all together. Uh, every second week, uh, I keep the sessions open, an extra 15 minutes for social afters. So we're we're building that sense of community. But with everyone being muted, they have anonymity. So musically, they can each be having an individual experience. So I'm always telling them, like, I'll teach them, like, here's three harmony parts for this song. You can sing any part you like. You can switch it up week to week, even within the song. You can jump up to a higher part on the third chorus. You can make up your own parts. Anybody who wants to learn the verses can sing the lead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, And I also share um, concepts about improvisation. You know, we do this thing called like, we do a lot of different things that give people opportunity to sing more like freely and intuitively. But um, one of them is just a conversational call and response. So I'll start playing some chords and I'll be like, I had coffee for breakfast and also some oatmeal. And then I'll just be strumming chords and I'll be, I'll be like, tell me what you had for breakfast, you know? And then they can just, I look and I just see like all these faces going, <laughs> like moving and they're singing And they're each having their own moment to sing into that space and just share and feel no pressure. And uh, yeah, it's a a beautiful thing. Um, I really enjoy it. I resonate with that no pressure phrase because I'm someone who's very self-aware of Mm. my singing and I love to sing. I often joke, Mm. I'm sure I was a singer in a previous life. I've just forgotten how to carry a tune. And yet when I sing with someone else like you, I can I can kind of hit the notes because I'm piggybacking on your talent. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. And I wouldn't even like, I mean, I'm very curious about like if someone feels like they have a hard, harder time holding a note on their own, is it a muscle like I, I strongly believe that wherever you at, wherever you are at, you can get better. Mm-hmm. You can you can grow that skill base. No, we're not all just yeah. good singers or bad singers, and that's the mistake we make by judging ourselves. Oh no, so and so is a good singer. I'm a bad singer. My son yeah. is a great singer. I I can't carry a tune. Yeah, um, and I think that's a skill set that that could absolutely grow for you if it was an area that you put focus on and became important to you. And also, even if you don't want to work, quote unquote, work on it, but you enjoy it, you should absolutely 
do it and raise your voice. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We couldn't share the great stories that we do here on the Canadian Love Map podcast without the amazing support of Charm Diamond Centres. They are Canada's largest family-owned jeweler, and they're proud to be putting love on the map. The folks at Charm Diamond Centres are thrilled to be a part of your love story. So visit CharmDiamondCentres.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. Do you think it is attached to people's imposter syndrome and the I'm not good enough that is so often sort of lingering in the in the dark bottom of ourselves? And it's there for everyone. I did an event in Toronto about a month ago and we were, uh, there was maybe like 12 uh, singer-songwriter performers plus an amazing backing band that put on two nights of a Gordon Lightfoot tribute. And it was just such an amazing event. And I got to see lots of musical friends that I've known for years and some of whom I had not seen for years. And we were talking backstage about imposter syndrome. And here's, you know, Kevin Fox, who has literally toured playing in uh, Celine Dion's band, <laughs> you know, kind of oh, going, wow. yeah, I have imposter syndrome. I don't feel like I'm good enough or, yeah. you know, and we all we all struggle with that. And, you know, like. I'm it is so rewarding leading people in song in Zoom choir and in my in-person choir. And I'm I learn something every single session. I see people have light bulb moments every single session. It's such a beautiful thing. And I'm encouraging people's creativity. I'm like, you know, let yourself be free. And we do songwriting projects. And I'm like, you know, let the ideas come. There's no bad idea. I'm saying all this and I believe it. And yet I struggle with that myself. I'm having my own writer's block. I think three and a half years ago when I decided to just like run with the Zoom choir, I saw a lot of friends that thought, okay, I can't tour and do shows right now. I'm going to, you know, accept CERB, which is wonderful that that was a possibility. And I'm going to write songs. And then Mm -hmm. I'm going to make my next record. And a lot of musicians made beautiful, beautiful albums and wrote beautiful songs in that time. I mean, I wrote a few. (laughs) And technically, I would have had time to do it all. But I, I didn't. I focused on on the the choir and the song leading. And now I'm kind of realizing like, okay, wait, now I've got these like songs bubbling up and I've got my own imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I got to like, like literally three times a week, I'm telling people you can do it. And I'm like, right. So I should do it. <laughs> but Coco, you strike me as someone who, you know, has a certain amount of trust in the universe and you you follow mm. the breadcrumbs, as it were. And mm. I have to say in your defense that at just before the pandemic, you contributed to the world one of the most beautiful albums I've ever heard. Oh, and thank you. It is. It's it's rebirth. And I wonder if you would tell our listeners a little bit about it, because I am telling you, very few pieces of music or collections of music have ever had the kind of impact on me and my heart that that album did. Oh, thank you. You've got me crying over here. So that true. that album felt like a big one for me. Um, I loved 
I loved writing and recording that album. Everyone I worked with on it, it was incredible. I love how it sounds. Um, it won me a national award after like, I've been in the business 30 years. I, my joke is like always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Like I'd always been like nominated for things and never won a thing. And this one won me a Canadian Folk Music Award for Contemporary Singer of the Year in 2021. And there I was like at home, like stuck at home. The album felt like an important share and it's there and I sing the songs of that album with my Zoom choirs and do I've bar barely been able to tour it. But we did do two of the songs at my concert with the choir just last Thursday night. We sang Rebirth out of the hard times in life comes rebirth. Out of the hard times in life we grow. And we also sang- Which, by the way, I'm, I'm yeah. going to interrupt you. Yeah. I listened to that during the lockdown. Oh. It was my anthem for the lockdown. And it was like you had been prescient. <sighs> and and if people listen to it, they'll go, I'm sure they'll go, oh my gosh, text me or email me and say, yes, Nancy, you were so right. That yeah. was like wild. Yeah. And I know that you dug very deep. In fact, I, I feel like there's a, there's a parallel to be drawn between- uh, the book that I put out necessitated a deep sense of vulnerability for me and a lot of truth telling. And that's what I saw in that album for you. Do you, does that resonate with you? Yeah, I think you're right. There's a fair amount of vulnerable songs on that album. And some of them are so vulnerable that I don't even sing them in shows. <laughs> That's what I remembered. You yeah. saying I can't even sing them in public yet. Yeah. And I'm still struggling with that. But, you know, I haven't had a ton of <laughs> They told us to stay home for a few years, so I didn't yeah. even get to test it. But What's one the of the most songs, vulnerable? Um, it might be uh, you, you Are the Keeper of Your Spirit. Can the you keeper. sing a little bit of it? You are the keeper of your spirit and the keeper of your light. You are the keeper of your head and heart. So keep yourself inside. I just, it's, it's one of those Ooh. like, uh, ox, pull the oxygen mask down and put it on yourself so you can still be there for other people messages. And every time I sing it, I feel guilty. I feel like the audience is hearing me give this advice and thinking I'm saying, don't put oxygen masks on other people. I, I feel like it sounds selfish, but I know, I know self-care is so important. Yeah, we got to take that conversation offline. I have to convince you otherwise, because <laughs> I, I would argue uh, being self-centered was a phrase that was a, a derogatory thing when we were in junior high. Right. Yeah. I think to center yourself helps everyone oh, in your in your Self-centered, center yourself. Right. Hello, Let's Nancy. all be self-centered. Let's all be full of ourselves instead right. of empty of ourselves. Let's be our fullest selves. Yeah. Right on. Full sister. of ourselves, our fullest selves. Oh, and I, it's so good. I believe that when you give the 
world, this gift of the opportunity to sing together in community, feel that connection, mm -hmm. and to just sing without worrying about how you sound, you know, mm -hmm. in a contribution way rather than a showing off way. It's not performance, really. It's for you. It's yeah. for each of us that we get to do it. Mm -hmm. It's not worrying about how we sound along with everyone else or how they're, you know, critiquing us. I just think it it is such a gift of love. And it's it's letting go of perfection, like something right. that I'm doing in both my Zoom choirs and my in-person choirs is I almost never tell them when a phrase ends. Like so many choirs are like, we cleanly stop right on this beat. And I'm like, I love that sound of like, you know, 20-ish people singing together at a campfire. And like some of them happen to be like pretty darn good singers. And some of them are just like, they don't think of themselves as singers, but they love singing. And Uncle Joe's just kind of like hanging out, listening along or whatever and mumbling and humming a bit, you know, and it just sounds beautiful. And then when you give people that permission to not worry and not think about, is this right or wrong or perfection or trying to remember where am I supposed to do what? And you let them just sing intuitively and feel in the moment, you end up getting this sound of a bunch of people ending their notes kind of naturally pretty close to each other. Isn't that great? And it really is, you know, when you say it's in the moment, mm -hmm. it, it's in that sense of pure presence that play happens. Play mm -hmm. without a sense of competition. I'm not talking about playing tennis against someone or playing basketball. I'm talking about pure play as we did as kids. That's yes. in a way what you're giving them. Yeah. And that's that's also something we do in these choirs. Like in my in-person choir, we sang uh four songs that we had rehearsed a decent amount, but I had not settled on the final arrangements till like a week before the show because I wanted them to like, I wanted us to find the flow together anyway. And we also performed a song that I had never taught them harmony parts for. It was this little light of mine, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I just, we jammed it in our sessions a few times and I just said, let's share it. No one has assigned parts. Just sing literally anything you want to sing and let's share it with our community and they'll sing with us. And it was just beautiful. Oh, that's amazing. Play. And it was play. It was can permission you, to play. Can you record the whole group at the same time? Uh, people did record parts of the concert. I'll probably be posting some of it. Coco, uh, you had a song, Tiny Lights, that I used, uh, with your permission, as my theme song for my old podcast, The Soul Booth, which is still, you know, available online. And it was such an important song to me. It said everything I wanted to say as I tried to shine light into the darkness because I was having conversations with so many inspiring people, and yet all we hear about is the the shitty stuff in the world. Mm. And right now the world feels really heavy. Would you grace us with a little bit of tiny lights? Oh, sure. We are tiny lights that sparkle and glow in a world much bigger than we'll ever know. We are tiny lights 
lights shining so bright in a world we know is gonna be all right. <laughs> wow. That's really, that's, I just think that's such a powerful message for right now. And what does it mean to you to be shining one of those tiny lights? There's a duality happening in my life right now, which I've we've been touching upon in this conversation a few times, and uh, which is I'm feeling so grateful for, lifted by, inspired by finding this new path of people use the words being a song leader, being a community builder, you know, exploring this new path of singing with people uh, more so than for people. But I also, like every time I'm singing with people, I'm seeing them have these moments where they they let their light come out and they go, oh, there it is. And I'm absolutely, you know, shining my light right back at them. And we're making this beautiful light together. But I know that I also have been having imposter syndrome and sitting down, taking time for myself by myself to make music of myself, I've been feeling a little stuck there. So I'm feeling this growing, I don't want to say urgency, this growing energy ball of wanting to share share my little tiny light uh, yeah. in, in that vulnerable way again. If you were a part of a, a pair, you know, I talk to all sorts of people with mm. all sorts of love stories, whether romantic or intergenerational or friendships. And if there was someone else here, I would say, what do you love most about Coco? But instead, I'm going to ask you, what is the feedback or pieces of feedback that you're getting from people either virtually or in your in-person choir that really hit you right in the heart? Oh gosh. I I don't even know where to start. There's been so many beautiful things, but people are finding a sense of community in all of my choirs and it's so amazing. People are finding uh a place where they can sing with openness and permission and support. Um, people are growing their skill base. People say to me, I'm better at singing harmony than I used to be. Sometimes I find my own harmony parts now. People are finding their voice. Uh, somebody came up to me. She's been singing with me on and off for five years since the very beginning. She's a local singer and she also sang with me on Zoom. And she just said this to me last Monday. She said, as I've been getting older, I've noticed my voice changing. And I actually thought that maybe I wouldn't be able to sing in your choir anymore a year ago. And I remember when she took a season off a year ago, because her voice was changing and her range was smaller. And then she just missed the choir and missed singing and came back. And she said to me last Monday, she said, I can't believe it, but I'm still singing and I love singing so much and it's because of you and your choir and and I can't believe I'm going to be singing with you in a concert in front of our shared community this Thursday and I never knew I would still have this and it's so meaningful in my life and I'm just like, there I am like crying and I'm crying now. I've done a sing-along with you in a big group of people 
And I said to my friend, it was the first time I had attended, and you made it so fun. And it was the energy in the place was so incredible. I said to my friend, this is like liquid love. And, mm. and you are like liquid love. <laughs> I just, I love, like you said it earlier, you said the word play. And I love music to feel like an open space where anything is possible and we're all invited. Yeah. And the choir came up on stage with me Thursday night and we sang our first song, which is a song of mine called The River. <laughs> oh, oh, I love that. That was and the first one I really, really resonated with. It's been an amazing song in my life. It's a song that I would guess at least a thousand choirs worldwide have sung by this time. Yeah. Google it, sure, everybody. Google yeah. The River by Coco Love Alcorn. Trust me. I'm guessing every other choir that's ever sung it has had a plan of how they were going to end the song when they sang it. And we did not. We got to the end <laughs> and and we came to this final chord. I directed people to hit our last <laughs> big notes. And then I started just going, oh, I'm going to let it. I don't remember what I was singing, but I was just like, oh, go down, down to the water. And then I just pointed them, pointed at them. And about like 30% of them went, whoa, down, down to the water. Like, because I totally caught them off guard. And then I did it again. And then they all came in and we were doing this call and response thing. And then I started clapping my hands on two and four and everyone started clapping their hands. And then like, I brought it down. And then I like sang a thing and I went like this. And they all like came in kind of humming a chord. And then I looked back at them at the end of the song and they were like, and I turned to the audience. I said, we just improvised that whole ending. This is my dream choir. I've always wanted to have a choir that could just be in the moment with me. And these are the brave souls that just did this. And the whole audience was just like freaking out. And it was, it was amazing. And at the end of the night, I think they sang, yeah, they sang six songs to me in the concert. At the end of the night, they were all coming off the stage and they all gave me a hug. Every single one yeah. of them. And they were all like beaming. Lit up. And, yeah. And they mm. were nervous. I couldn't sleep for two nights before the concert because of how nervous they were. But then they trusted themselves. They they didn't know that they could. But in that moment, they trusted themselves. And there was one like one or two like little moments in the concert where like I didn't give a cue well enough and like someone came in singing when everyone else had stopped or whatever. And I literally, I remember this happened on one of the songs. I literally stopped the song and I said to the audience, that was my fault. <laughs> I slipped into performer mode and forgot that I was also a choir director. So that wasn't their fault. That was my fault. And I turned around to the choir and said, sorry, guys. And I said, from the second verse, let's go. And I just... But Oh, I, I love, love that. It. You give That's them license to be imperfect by showing that you're imperfect. You take the air out of the balloon, you know, the perfection yeah. balloon. And, and that's how I want a concert to feel. I want yeah. I want everyone to feel like like you know, sometimes when you're taking chances and being real in the moment, you hit a bit of turbulence, but if we all just like take a breath, like we can land the plane safely every time. We're okay. We're okay. Well, we're going to land this plane. Uh, I want to ask you this in the in the spirit of improv. I've got to have a name for this episode. How do you... I mean, there's, there's open to love. Oh, nice. And I want you to make me a little song. I'm very demanding. Oh, a little make a little song? Okay. Yeah. So it's so, our theme song for this episode. What do you say? 
Oh, goodness. Okay, here we go. Canadian love map, open to love, virtual love. Okay, here we go. Boom, 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 and for all that you are the master of both love and improv. <laughs> Thank you, Coco, so much for joining us today. Just, I just loved every minute of it. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Nancy. It's always just, I feel like whenever we chat, like we're pretty much besties that just accidentally got placed living in different provinces. <laughs> right on, sister. And when people want to find you, we'll make sure that we link uh, in our notes and so on. But just mm -hmm. what's the best way to find the Wonderland singers? Yeah, so there's two ways. You can go to CocoLoveAlcorn.com, AllOfMyName.com, and that gets you, you know, the Rebirth album and the Wonderland album. Um, and and then on that front page, you'll find ways to the Wonderland singers as well from there. And then if you go to WonderlandSingers.com, that's all about my Zoom and in-person choirs. Please come join us. I have two weekly sessions on Zoom. We'll be starting up again in the spring. And that from there, you can also get linked through to Coco Love alcorn.com. So once you find one, you'll find the other. <laughs> I'm going to sign up for the Wonderland Singers. I'm going to tell you do. right now. Can't Please wait. Do. <laughs> and I just want to say, I just want to say, you know, I wish that you continue to shine your amazing light in this world, no matter how that shows up. And, and you're, I think you're changing a lot of people's lives and you are definitely adding a lot of tiny lights. Thank Aww. you. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Nancy. Ciao, Bella. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Canadian Love Map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter. 
We love sharing love stories of all kinds, and that could include yours. So do you or someone you know have an uplifting tale to tell? Reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram using at Canadian Love Map or email producer at podstarter.io. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map.